Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel. The book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 4. The book of 2 Samuel and chapter number 4. We're continuing with the life and ministry of David. And as we're finding our way, David has become king. And things have not worked out peaceably as he wanted. That first of all, they had Abner, the captain of Saul's host, who decided to take Ishbosheth and make him king of Israel, while David was just ruling over Judah. During that time, David had set up his capital in Hebron, and Abner and Ishbosheth fought against him. Finally, Abner got disgusted with his master and realized that God's promises were with David after all. And so he tried to join with David, got right with David, and tried to prepare the kingdom to be transferred from Israel to David peacefully. And so Abner had set up things with Ishbosheth. He had set up things with the elders of Israel. And the idea was that the kingdom was to be transferred peacefully. However, there happened to be a man full of bitterness who happened to be David's future general by the name of Joab. And Joab was bitter because in the midst of war, that his brother was killed in the hand of Abner. And so as a coward, he had pulled Abner aside. And during the midst of this peace process, he killed him and murdered him in a back alleyway. Now, of course, there's going to be consequences for those actions. And we're going to see this. I've mentioned before that the book of 2 Samuel is a book of consequences that over and over you're going to see consequences for actions. And it reminds us that, our, that every action that we do has a consequence, either good or bad. And we need to be conscious and aware of the idea that your actions do matter. In the book of 2 Samuel, in chapter number 4, we're going to see the consequences of Abner's murder, that a, a kingdom that was to be transferred peaceably without bloodshed to end the civil war is going to have some very ugly consequences. Notice with me if you don't mind in the book of 2 Samuel in chapter number 4. 2 Samuel chapter 4, notice with me in verse number 1. 2 Samuel 4, 1, the Bible says this, and when Saul's son heard that Abner was dead in Hebron, his hands were feeble and all the Israelites were troubled. And Saul's son had two men that were captains of bands. And the name of one was Baana, and the other was Rechab, the sons of Rimen, a Bethorilite, and the children of Benjamin. For Beroth was also reckoned to Benjamin. And the Berothites fled to Gittim, and were sojourners there until this day. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. 
And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. And the sons of Rimmon and the Beorite, Rechab and uh, Baana, went and came about the heat of the day into the house of Ishbosheth, who lay on a bed at noon. And they came hither into the midst of the house as though they would have fetched wheat, and they smote him under the fifth rib. Rechabab and Baana, his brother, escaped. And when they came into his house, he laid on his bed in his bedchamber, and they smote him and slew him and beheaded him and took his head and get them away through the plain all the night. And they brought the head of Ishbosheth unto David to Hebron and said to the king, Behold, the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, thine enemy, which sought thy life. And the Lord hath avenged my Lord, the king, this day of Saul and of his seed. And David answered Rechab and Baana, his brother, the sons of Rimmon, the Berothite, and said unto them, As the Lord liveth, who hath redeemed my soul out of all adversity? When one told me, saying, Behold, Saul is dead, thinking to have brought good tidings, I took hold of him and slew him in Ziklag, who thought that I would have given him reward for his tidings. How much more when wicked men have slain a righteous person in his own house upon his bed. Shall I not therefore now requite his blood of your hand and take you away from this, the earth? And David commanded his young men and they slew them and cut off their hands and their feet and hanged them over the pool of Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the sepulcher of Abner in Hebron. And if you wouldn't mind, as we see this here, we could title this passage of the Bible here with the idea, the death of Ishbosheth. The death of Ishbosheth. And if you don't mind, as we see some of these consequences for the actions of Joab, we could see it culminate here in the death of Ishbosheth. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, let us just see not only what happens in history, but learn the principle that we see underlying the currents here, that there's consequences for our actions. That not only we could see the history, but we can look at ourselves and realize that everything that we do has consequences. Everything that we do has a ripple effect that affects other people. Help us to be conscious of that and just be able to... to so good things that we can reap a harvest. Lord, again, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Direct my thoughts. Let it be clear. Let it be easily understood. And let it be a help. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the book of 1 Samuel, in chapter number 4, again, we're following up with what occurred. That Abner had tried to set the kingdom peaceably to transfer it from the house of Saul to David and the idea that it was going to be a peaceful transfer. But it was all derailed when Abner decided to go into business for himself and, or sorry, Joab decided to go into business himself and murder Abner. Now because of this, there's going to be some turmoil and some consequences. The first thing that we're going to be reminded of 
of here is the accident of Mephibosheth. The accident of Mephibosheth. Now, we understand that um, people were um, <laughs> different cultures, but aren't you glad that we don't have names like Ishbosheth and Mephibosheth? Be in the first grade. How do you spell your name? I don't know. Nobody knows. But these are cool names to learn how to say and to identify who they are. But what we see here, in the midst of all the turmoil, we could see that Saul's son had two captains of men, and they made a preparation for it, and it gives some description of who they are. But notice with me in verse number four. And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings of Saul and Jonathan came out of Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass that she made haste to flee, and he fell and became lame. And his name was Mephibosheth. So here we could see in the midst of the turmoil, you had the turmoil of Saul and Jonathan have died. Mephibosheth was five years old when he heard that his daddy died. And now his uncle has been ruling, um, Ishbosheth. Now things are going on in the midst of trying to get things transferred with the uncertainty of the kingdom. Mephibosheth's nurse is hurrying up and saying, come on, we've got to get out of here and hurry up. And isn't it one of those things that when we want to hurry up, the kids don't want to hurry up? And in the midst of, come on, we got to go. And they don't realize the seriousness of it. And in the midst of what is happening in the turmoil and the chaos, that Mephibosheth fell. Some people say the nurse dropped him. So maybe they've got Mephibosheth and she's carrying him. And, and there's so much trouble and turmoil she drops him. Maybe it's the idea when you're trying to take the five-year-old and come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And he's not hurrying with you and he ends up stumbling and falling. But whatever it is, the end result is that this young child in the midst of the turmoil, he fell in such a way Maybe it cracked his back, tore his spine, but he became lame. That carries the idea that he was unable to walk. And so here's Saul's grandson, Jonathan's son, that now he's unable to walk. And part of it is because the turmoil of the uncertainty of the things going on and people panicking. And let me tell you, when, whenever people sin, it does affect other people. In ways that we couldn't even realize that hurts other people. You understand? No one wants to hurt an innocent child. No one normal. And if you could realize that your actions can affect a child, wouldn't it do something that you would stop it before it gets to it? Some people don't realize the actions. I can remember years ago sitting with a man who was addicted to drugs, and I was trying to tell him that you're going to lose your children if you don't change your ways. If you don't change your ways, your kids are watching you. They're, you're going to lose them. And he sat there and nodded with me, and, and I watched him not change. And I watched as their kids were being hurt. I watched over the years that, you know, he was riding the fence and trying to do be right but keep his drugs and Finally, his kids started to have consequences and his kids started to get in trouble and his kids started to get affected. And he was saying, what do I do about this? And I said, it's not too late. It's not too late. You got to fix this. We got to understand your consequences. Unfortunately, that story has a sad ending as finally the father sat with me and said, you know what? 
I'm giving up my family. I want my drugs. I don't care. And he walked away from his family just to have the drugs. But to see that stuff could have been prevented from the very beginning when a loving pastor looked at him and said, listen, it's going to affect your kids. And he looked at me in disbelief. But you understand actions that you have do affect your children. The things that you do, both good and bad. There are good things that you could do that affect your children. When you try to have a Christian home where, by the way, a Christian home is not just because Christians live there. A Christian home is when Christ is at the center of the home. And when you try to have a Christian home, that does affect the children in a good way. All of your actions, both good and bad, affect others around you. As we go on, not only do we see the accident of Mephibosheth, but we also see the murder of Ishbosheth. The murder of Ishbosheth. Now, because of what Abner, or Abner's death at the hands of Joab, people began to take things in their own hands. The kingdom was supposed to pass peacefully, but now that they could say, their people see this. David wants to kill his enemies. Now, was that true? Did David want to kill his enemies? Absolutely not. But because David's general killed Abner, some people drew their own conclusions incorrectly. David must want Ibosheth dead. So therefore, if we're going to please David, let's kill his enemy. That's not what David wanted at all. People drew wrong conclusions because of the actions of Joab. Notice as we pick it up here in verse number 6. And they came thither, uh, verse number 5 rather, the sons of Rimen, the uh, Berorite, Rechab and Baana, went and came about the heat of the day to the house of Ishbosheth, who lay in a bed at noon. And they came thither in the midst of the house as though they would have fetched wheat, and they smote him under the fifth rib. And Rechab and Baana, his brother, escaped. And when they came into his house, he lay on his bed in his bedchamber, and they smote him, and slew him, and beheaded him, and took his head, and got them away in the plain of the night. So what happened is that they said, they talked together, they came to agreement. David in order to get David's favor, we probably need to kill his enemies. I mean, that's what Joab did. They probably did under David's orders. So let's, let's do this. So they made a plan where they snuck into the house. They made it look like they were workers, servants. They walked in like they knew they were doing. They went to Ishbosheth's bedchamber, and he's laying in bed, sleeping, resting. And they came in and snuck in, took a knife and stabbed him in the chest. And then, holding him down, they took a knife or an axe or something and cut off his head in his own bed. Took his head and got out of there. They decided that they were going to bring it to David, verse 8. And they brought the head of Ishbosheth unto David in Hebron and said to the king, Behold, the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, thine enemy, which sought thy life, and the Lord hath avenged the Lord, the king of this day and of his seed. So they were happy with themselves. David, we're, we're your servants. Look, reward us. Look at what we did. Here's his head. Now, David is not going to be happy with us, which brings us to the reaction from David. 
the reaction from David. So these men come, get an appointment with David. They come up, show his head, and they, they're ready to be patted in the head. Their tails are wagging. They're all excited. Look, we did good. We did good. But David doesn't see it this way. Notice with me in verse number 9. And David answered Rechab, uh, Rechab and Baanah, his brother, the sons of Rimen, the Beorite, and said unto them, As the Lord liveth, who hath redeemed my soul out of all adversity. When one told me, saying, Behold, Saul is dead, thinking to have brought good tidings, I took a hold of him and slew him in Ziklag, who thought that I would give him a reward for tidings. Now he's going back to an event that happens in 1 Samuel chapter 1. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, you have a man who is not an Israelite, but an Amalekite. And he comes in carrying in Saul's staff and Saul's crown, and he's coming in, and he tells a lie. He lies. And he thinks that this is going to please David. Hey, David, I was out in the woods minding my own business, and I saw Saul, and he had a great wound, and Saul begged, please kill me, please kill me. And I said, okay, sure. And he killed Saul and took his stuff, and he says, David, look, I brought the stuff to you. And David said, how do you touch God's anointed? Why is this not bothering you? And he killed the Amalekite who claimed, by the way, he didn't kill him, but he lied and said, hey, look, I killed Saul. And David said, I took care of him. And if you think that I took care of the guy who killed Saul, and you tell me, hey, David, we snuck in this guy's bedroom in the middle of the day when he was sleeping, stabbed him and cut off his head, we did good. David said, no, no. If I did that to this guy, what do you think of the world I'm going to do with you? No, this is not what I wanted. And so, verse 11, how much more when the wicked men have slain a righteous person in his own house and upon his bed, shall I not therefore require his blood of your hand and take you away from the earth? And David commanded his young men, and they slew him, and cut off the hands and their feet, and hanged them over the pool of Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the sepulcher in Hebron. And so David kills them. But there's a phrase here that I want to go back to. And I want to go back to verse number 9. And David said to Rechab and Baanah, his brother, the sons of Rimen, the Bararite, and said unto them, As the Lord liveth, who hath redeemed my soul out of all adversity. You know, part of this is David's looking back and he's thinking back in his own life. And remember, there was an evil man while he was on the run by the name of Nabal, Naboth. And the good thing about Nabal, or the bad thing about Nabal, is that he was an evil man. And remember that David's uh, forces had protected uh, the, um, the farmers, the cowboys of Nabal. And then when David said, Hey, can you help us out with some food? We've been doing a lot of good, we're just asking for a little bit. And Nabal said, no, who are you? Forget you. And he chased them all off. And remember that David was ready to go with his troops to kill Nabal. He was upset. And Abigail came out and brought some food and said, don't do this. Don't do this. And one thing he recognized is that God stopped me from doing the same thing. God stopped me from doing wickedness. Imagine the consequences and how everything would have changed if David would have killed it would have changed history. David would not have had the, uh, 
the good reputation. He would have been known just as another, another murderer. He would have lost his righteousness. And there would have been consequences for that action. Because he was mad and he was upset. Which brings me to a principle where I want to spend the rest of the time. And turn with me, if you don't mind, to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians in chapter number 6. And this is the principle that we want to draw from this. That all actions have consequences. All actions have consequences. The Bible is very clear on this with this New Testament principle. In the book of Galatians in chapter number 6. I want to show you the principle the Bible teaches. The principle the Bible teaches. In Galatians in chapter number 6, let's pick it up in verse number 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You know, sometimes people get to the idea that they can get away with sin. They can get away with their actions. But the Bible is very clear. It says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. That means there is a payday someday. There is a payday someday. But there's a principle of sowing and reaping. Notice if you don't mind as we go to the next verse in verse number 8. For he that soweth to his flesh shall... Of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So we know that there's good consequences and there's bad consequences. If you don't mind, may I give you the three principles of sowing and reaping? The three principles we understand of sowing and reaping. Now this is dealing the idea of farming terms. So that way people can understand. They can understand a principle that they could take a seed, they could put it in the ground, and eventually that seed is going to sprout and produce fruit of itself. So the first principle of sowing and reaping, so we can understand what is being taught here, the first uh, principle is we reap what we sow. We, maybe I could say it this way, we reap exactly what we sow. We reap exactly what we sow. So let's say that I take a, a corn kernel and I plant it in the ground. Put it in there, rain, water, all this stuff. Guess what's going to happen when it grows up? I get a whale. What am I going to get? I'm going to get corn. You sure? If I plant that corn in the ground, am I going to get spinach? No. You know that's a law in science called the law of biogenesis? It says... We, everything reproduces after its own kind. So we understand here that if whatever I sow is what I'm going to reap. The Bible says that here in verse number 8. For he that soweth to his flesh, that means you do something in the flesh, you do something in your own power, you sin, whatever it is, guess what you're going to reap? It shall reap of... Um, for he that soweth to his flesh shall... Of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth of the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. What we understand here is that you reap exactly what you sow. So if you spend your life ignoring God, doing whatever you want, sinning whatever you want, you're not going to expect to reap blessings in God's favor. 
you reap exactly what you sow. So if I plant corn, I'm not getting a carrot. I'm going to get in exactly what I sow. The second principle of reaping and sowing is that you reap later than you sow. You reap later than what you sow. So some people say, hey, look, I sinned and nothing happened to me. That's because it doesn't happen right away. If I go plant some corn and I go plant it uh, today, put it in the dirt, put it, stomp it in there, put some water, get some sunlight, and I go check on it later on this afternoon, am I going to have a corn stalk? Why not? Isn't it going to grow? You reap later than what you sow. What if I go tomorrow? Tomorrow, there it is. Is it going to be grown tomorrow? Because there's always that time. What happens is that people say, well, look, I did this wrong and nothing happened. No lightning came down. The earth didn't shake. The church building didn't fall on me. Nothing happened. I got away with it. And so that emboldens them to do it again. And then again and again. But this is what the Bible says. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The Bible says God understands and he's keeping track. There is going to be consequences for the action. But it is going to be later than what you sowed. Lightning doesn't hit you right then and there, but it will come up later on. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So we understand, first of all, the principle of reaping and sowing is that we reap exactly what we sow. The second principle is that we reap uh, later than what we sow. And then the third principle, we reap more than what we sow. We reap more than what we sow. So if I take a piece of corn and I plant it in the ground and I bury it and then I give it time, I give it water, I give it sunlight, when it comes out and sprouts a big old plant and it only has one piece of corn on it. Is that how it works? No. I get more than what I planted. From that one piece of corn could come a stalk that has several kernel or uh, cobs of corn on it. I reap more than what I sow, and each one of those cobs has corn on it, corn kernels. By the way, each of those can be planted and multiplied and get a whole field eventually. That's the miracle of multiplication. Well, what happens is that we reap exactly what we sow. We reap later than what we sow, and we reap more than what we sow. You understand, sin will take you further than you ever wanted to go. And it will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. Those consequences will come out. And it will multiply more than you ever expected. You think that that one sin that you got in your life that you keep sowing, you keep planting, you keep burying, it's not going to be a big deal. But it will mature one day. And you will get exactly what you sowed. 
And the consequences will be more than you want it to pay. It will be a lot worse. And it will come back and you wish you never did it. But guess what? Let me give you the encouragement. The opposite is true. That if you are sowing good things... You're following the Lord. You know, sometimes people get frustrated because I'm doing what's right. I'm telling people about the Lord. I'm reading my Bible. How come things aren't coming? Because you reap exactly what you sowed and you reap later than what you sowed. And you reap more than you sowed. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Verse number 9. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You know, this promise still goes with the reaping and sowing. That the Bible's giving the instruction, guess what? There are people who are sowing seeds, and they're going to get the same exact thing. There's going to be consequences for their action. But for you who's trying to serve God, for you who's living for the Lord, and you're saying, how come things aren't working out? How come all my prayers aren't being answered? How come things aren't bed of roses? How come things aren't ex- what I expected? Because you will reap exactly what you sowed, but it will be later than what you sowed. And it will be more than what you sowed. But be not weary in well-doing. That has the idea that, that you've tired and impatient. But, but, the Bible says, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap. In due season. What is a due season? Well, it takes time to mature. We plant a piece of corn in the spring, in the, in the summertime. Is it ready? No, because it's not its season. In due season, we shall reap. But here's the qualifier. If we faint not. If we faint not. Let, so here's another illustration. I plant a crop of corn. Put the kernels in the ground. I cover it with dirt. I give it water. Give it sunlight. And in the summertime, oh, it's not working. It's not happening. I'm tired of waiting. So I sell my property to someone else. Fine, just take it. I'm tired of it. Don't want to wait anymore. Guess what? Someone else is going to reap. I'm going to miss out on those things that I worked so hard for. Because I quit. It's not worth it. Sometimes people get frustrated because they've been serving in a church. And it doesn't seem like things are happening the way they want. Don't quit. Don't quit. For in due season you shall faint. That's a promise. That's a guarantee. It's going to happen if you faint not. But there's a season for it to grow. There's a season. It doesn't happen instantly. I remember encouraging a preacher. I love soul winning and knocking on doors and telling people about the Lord. And there was a preacher, a friend of mine, who had never really knocked on doors in his life. And uh, so he said, I'm going to try this out. And so he calls me after uh, a week or two and he says, I've knocked on 200 doors and nobody's come to church. I'm just not going to do it anymore. I'm trying to tell him it takes time. It's not instant. 
It's not instant. There is a season. And God knows the timing. He knows when things are need to happen. We need to keep moving forward, looking unto him by faith, trusting in him, knowing the promise that be not deceived. This is not just for those who are doing bad and saying there's no consequences. This is for us who are trying to do what's right. Be not deceived. For God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He gives this promise here. And let us not be weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of doing what's right. Don't get tired of, of trying to serve God. Don't get tired of it. Because guess what? In due season, we shall reap. If we faint not. Remember, don't be deceived. Don't let Satan lie to you and say you're wasting your time. You know what? You've been in church all this time. And guess what? It hasn't worked out for you. In due season, you shall reap. You know what? I've tried to raise my kids right for the last week and it hasn't happened. I'm just going to give up. You know what? I've read my Bible every day for three months and... It's just continue on, continue on, continue on. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. You understand the idea of the principle of reaping and sowing is that it's something that's going to happen. Why do you think farmers have continued to farm for all of these years if it doesn't work? Right? The principle is they get the sunlight that they need. They get the, the, the showers, the rain that they need, which is not in their control. That's God's control. A, rain, a farmer cannot make the sun shine. A farmer cannot make it rain. That's God's business. Our business was to sow and expect God to do his part. And when the harvest time comes, we enjoy the benefits of what God did. God made them grow you can't make them grow. You don't see farmers out their hands and knees. Come on, plant. Come on, you can do it. Because there's nothing you do about it. Our part was to do the sowing. God's part is to do the growing. And then we enjoy the benefits if we're sowing the right things in due season. So I want to encourage you, dear friend, two different things. First of all, with the principle of reaping and sowing, turn from your wicked ways. What are you sowing? What are you sowing? You may think that you're getting away with a sin, but let me tell you, there's a payday someday. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. There's always consequences for your actions, and it will cost you more than you ever wanted to pay. But for those of you who have determined to serve the Lord, let me tell you, don't faint. Don't quit. Don't give up. Because in due season, you shall reap if you faint not. We have here the principle of reaping and sowing. That all your actions have consequences. All of them. And some of them are more drastic than you ever expected them to be. We want them to be more drastic than they ever wanted to be on the spiritual side. We want to have it so years later you find out all the people that have been reached by you and have influenced by you and are serving the Lord because you were used of the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? And let me tell you, there's going to be a great harvest more than you ever expected if you serve the Lord. Just don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. But for those of you who may be sowing seeds of 
in the flesh. Thinking that no one sees and think that it's hurting no one but you. Let me tell you, there's going to be more consequences than you ever expected. And it will be worse than you ever wanted to pay. And it will not be worth it when the end is done. Turn from your wicked ways. Because there will be a payday someday. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, Lord, I'm just asking that you would be a help to people. Lord, maybe there's someone that, they're not bad people, they're not necessarily evil people, but they have that pet sin that they keep petting and they keep coddling and they keep trying to lie to themselves that they're getting away with it, that it doesn't hurt anyone. Let them be convinced from your word that, you are not, that God is not deceived and that God sees their sin and there will be a payday someday. And that you could spare them from some of the consequences they're headed to. That you could uh, steer them away now. That you could protect them now. That you could get them to stop with that little pet sin. Maybe there's someone in here that's been trying to serve the Lord. You're trying to do what's right. And, and you're at the place where Satan's lying to you and saying it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Help these good folks not to faint, not to quit, realizing that they shall reap in due season. They shall. You made a promise. Lord, encourage them to keep moving forward, to keep going on, to keep being in their Bible, to keep praying, to keep giving, to keep telling people about the Lord, because it is worth it. And it will be a lot more worth it at the very end than we ever expected. All the little things that we're doing, it matters. It has consequences one way or another. Our actions do matter. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.